Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. This summer we're working our way through some amazing stories in God's Word. Our summer sermon series is called Great Bible Stories. We've already heard stories about Samson and Sisera, and last week we heard about Joshua. Today we're going to hear about Daniel and Daniel in the lion's den. Our text for today is going to be taken from chapter 6 in the book of Daniel, so if you want to go ahead and turn there or get whatever device you, uh, that you're using ready, we're going to dive right into it. And hopefully today we're going to be able to pull out five principles for our lives that we can uh, pour into them uh, from this portion of scripture and from the story. So let's look at verse 1. Here we go. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, he was responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance to finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So in verse 6, it says this, So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Then verse 10, I want you to pay close attention to this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. 
In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and the sp spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment. He couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Live long, O great king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout the world and throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Pretty amazing story when you think about it. And I feel that we can draw out of this some incredible life principles. And we're going to look at five of those. The first one is Daniel maintained his high standards. Although Daniel had been serving in the royal courts for a very long time, he maintained the blameless life he and his friends had exhibited, if you read back in Daniel chapter 1. The power and the privileges Daniel enjoyed as a high-ranking official in the king's courtroom all of these years could not corrupt him. Here in Daniel chapter 6, we read that the king intended to promote Daniel even further than what he was. It was a continued sign that God wanted to reward Daniel for his faithfulness. So I want you to think about this. Sometimes we take God's blessings in our lives for granted, and maybe soon we can be 
corrupted on the inside as we take those for granted. Now, when you think about the life of Daniel, he was about 15 or 16 years old when he was taken captive into and put into exile in Babylon. And here he was in his 80s when he was thrown into the den of lions. He had lived in a community of people who didn't follow or worship the one true God, his God. And, they, and then he also served under four pagan kings for approximately 67 years. Even after all of those years, the Bible still says that he had an, an extraordinary spirit about him. In fact, Daniel's adversaries themselves admitted that Daniel was blameless. Look at verse 4. It says this, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or to condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Can the people of our communities that we live in, or maybe our workplaces that we work at, or in our schools speak the same about us today. Let's not permit time and blessings or maybe a world cause to cause us to drift away from the one true God. Let's look at number two of a life principle that we can pull out of this. Daniel's security was in God. The New Living Translation that we read from today uses close to 10 sentences to describe the murderous plot against Daniel. But, some, but in that same translation, it only uses one sentence to describe Daniel's response. How could Daniel remain so calm when his life was under such great threat by all that was going on, by all of these guys that were out to get him? As always... God was the source of Daniel's security. So I want you to think about this with me. Here's a story. When I was quite young, I became fairly interested in collecting coins. I know, kind of weird. But I was interested in it. And currently in my collection, I have many old coins that were issued in the United States and from around the world. But I want you to know that there is a statement, particularly, that is engraved on all U.S. currency. And I happen to have a couple uh, pieces of currency here with me. I have a quarter, and I have a $1 bill, which is probably worth about 10 Canadian dollars today. I don't know. But uh, the, the uh, statement that is engraved on these coins kind of hits a mark with me. Maybe some of you know which one I'm going to state to you right now. It's in God we trust. And we find it on the quarter. We find it on all of our bills. But it's very sad when we realize that the currency of the United States, it says in God we trust on it. And yet it's very sad that they are putting more trust in other things than God today. Daniel's life 
we find in chapter 6 was in great danger. Even though we hear about all the blessings that God was pouring into his life, he was in great danger. But he did not compromise. He didn't fight back. He didn't run away because God was his source of security. Not his position, not his wealth. It was God that he put his security in. Unfortunately, some people who openly profess God to be their source of security today, actually are placing their security in other areas rather than in him. Their true colors get exposed only when they have to deal with something that comes against them. Let's not be like those people, but learn to trust God for our protection. In fact, I would even challenge us, if you could, metaphorically speaking, engrave on your heart, in God I trust, and then live like it. And then the third point, or the third life principle that we could draw out of this is Daniel endured the divine test. Anyone reading the book of Daniel for the first time might think that God had actually thrown Daniel under the bus before answering Daniel's prayer that we find here in, in chapter 6. Since Daniel prayed, anyone would expect God to rescue him immediately. I wonder what was going through his mind. I'm not going to share with you what I could say. Maybe this was going through his mind. I'm going to let you kind of think about that for a little while. I wouldn't want to speculate on what was going through his mind. I wasn't there. I wasn't Daniel. It's a good place, though, for us to stop and think about all the responses that might run through one's mind when they're up against the wall like this. I don't know. But we do know that the situation was really dire at the time. Because Daniel's adversaries, his enemies inside the kingdom, had set him up and then they caught him in the act of going against the royal decree that had been written and signed by the king. They had him. They had him right where they wanted him. Not even the king himself, who loved Daniel, could give an order to rescue him from the decree that he had written. And so we find that the king had to follow through. Now, I just want to give you just a quick, quick lesson here. Ironically, the decrees back then, and it's been studied and found out to be accurate, of the Persian kings, that they were unchangeable because the Persian kings were thought to be the ones who spoke to pagan gods that were worshipped by the Persians and could never be wrong and therefore never needed to change his mind. Finally, the enemy had their wildest dreams being played out before them coming true. Daniel was actually going to be thrown into the den of lions. At last, these wicked high officers and governors could get rid of Daniel forever. It was like God had finally taken a break and couldn't come to Daniel's rescue on time. And so, we can read down through there, though, that it was not so with God. So I want you to think about this. God is sovereign, and he is over all things. Don't attempt to try to figure out how God thinks. Just know, whether good or bad, God has a much higher purpose 
in everything that happens to us. The book of Daniel paints a portrait of how to serve God faithfully in the middle of extreme hardships and difficult times. And it also teaches us how to persevere and to hope even when no immediate answers or solutions to the problems that get us down are to be found. Keep in mind that God is the one who will keep us from being eaten by the lions of today, if you will. Our fourth life principle that I want you to look at is this. God didn't spare Daniel's enemies. The king wasn't happy or, or excuse me, the king was extremely happy that Daniel was miraculously rescued and saved by God. What he knew was that his very own officials and the ones that he had placed in power had deceived him into condemning Daniel to death, or so they thought. He must have been furious toward these guys, had to have been. And in his fury, because we read about it, he ordered not only all of the conspirators behind this plot, but their entire families, their wives, all of their children, to along with them be thrown into the den of lions. And every one of them died in the same trap that they had set for Daniel. So think about this in point number four. This particular passage shows that God will definitely bring about justice in this world. No question, you can count on it. Very often, it is tempting, especially I've been tempted, to try to take on the role of God and to seek out and punish those who we feel deserve it. But vengeance belongs to God, not us. Even in this day. As Christians, we're to follow the Lord Jesus' command to love our enemies and to pray for our persecutors and to leave the vengeance to God. After all, there's only one true God. We should stop trying to apply for the position that God has. And then our last life principle point that I want to bring up is that God always has a higher purpose. In verses 25 through 28 of Daniel chapter 6, it shows that God had a higher purpose even in Daniel's loneliest hour and in his worst moment. Now, according to historians that have studied the Babylonian Empire and Babylon, they have found out that it was a city that had a population close to or near 200,000 people at the time. And the population of the entire empire or kingdom would have been nearly 10 times more than that. When King Darius issued the new decree that we find in verses 25 through 28, all of these people came to know that the God of Daniel was the one true savior. They heard it from the king. They surely listened not only because they feared King Darius, but the king could speak with the gods. And if he was speaking about the one true God, then they would have listened up 
for sure. So listen up and think about this. There was a prolific early Christian author by the name of Tertullian, and he was back in about the second century. And he wrote about the Apostle John, who had been banished to the island of Patmos. Get this, after he had been plunged into boiling oil in Rome, and he suffered nothing from it. It is said that everyone in the Colosseum that day was converted to Christianity upon witnessing this miracle. Can you imagine being boiled alive in oil and suffering no effects from it? Unbelievable. But that's the God I serve. In the light of our story today, I want to encourage each and every one of you to remember this. God is capable of accomplishing greater things than we could ever imagine. Not many of us will be able to defy death like Daniel or the Apostle John. But whatever happens, let's live our faith out boldly. And when I say boldly, let's do it in the proper sense, not arrogantly. Let's live our lives like Daniel's, described in chapter 6, verse 4, where we find out that he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And then let's praise God for his goodness. At the end of the day, when you think about this story, the final score is Daniel 1, Lions 0. And so I want you to remember that God is always with us if we are following after Jesus. As the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 8, it says this in verse 38 and 39. Paul says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, and many of us have a lot of fears today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it's my prayer that these five life principles that we've looked at today will help you remain faithful to the Father throughout your faith journey. Remember, he is our way maker in everything that we have, everything coming at us, everything that we do. He is going to provide a way. He will make a way in the good and in the bad and in the ugliest of times. May God bless you today. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for that encouraging word, for that challenging word from the story of Daniel. I have a request to make of you folk today. Probably the second greatest sermon in all of the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, often thought to be second to the most, the greatest sermon, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. 
And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul basically lays, spells out the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was raised on the third day and then makes his final point, you too can live forever. Interesting that in the conclusion of his sermon, Paul says this, now about the money being collected. It's as if he's saying, since you believe in this gospel, since you believe that people are lost and need Jesus Christ, since you believe this gospel, says Paul, I am compelled to ask you to help us spread this gospel. And those are my words to you today. Since you believe this gospel, I am compelled to ask you to help us spread this message. Since, in the words of last week's message, since your commitment is rock solid, I have a request to make of you. And here it is. Since all the people that we want to reach are online, and since Crosspoint Church, the online Crosspoint Church, will be much more significant, that'll be a much more significant piece of our ministry going forward than it ever has before. And since we are presently not capable of doing the quality online service that we want to be able to do with full service, full band and all that we want to do, and since the funds to do this are not in the present budget, therefore, I have asked Pastor John Sherwood and his staff to prepare a budget of what it would take to gear up for the fall. And he has come in with a figure that's just under $20,000 that would help us, that would give us a strong launch for the fall and, it, and bring us in at an initial startup level that would be adequate for us. In light of that, I'm asking you to give a significant one-time gift to help us gear up for the fall, or simply put, to help us gear up. An encouraging word would be this. So far, so far to date, with 11 responses, and that includes only the staff, the pastoral staff of the church and the local board of administration plus two seniors, we are just under 50% of that $20,000. So my question, my ask for you this day is will you help? Over these next days, would you prayerfully consider, talk with your family, talk with your spouse, whatever, and let us know what, how you can help us gear up. You can come to us through Give at Crosspoint Church, or you can call the church at 452-7110. Simply designate your gift, gear up. Will you do it? Will you help for the cause of Christ? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these faithful folk who have stood by the work, who believe in the gospel, who firmly believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. I bless them today in your name. And I pray, Father, that you would touch the hearts of those who can and will give in these coming days, that generosity would overflow to the glory of God and to the extension of the gospel. 
Now, Father, bless these folk as they leave the church service to go out to the real service to serve out there. This we pray today in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Have a great week.